You're listening to That's the Industry Podcast, episode number 11. Today, you're going to learn what it takes to produce a podcast for an NBA superstar. Here we go. You're listening to That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. The podcast that takes you inside all the aspects of the entertainment industry. Directly from the people who are making it happen. And now, your host, Thomas Jordan. What's going on, guys? Thomas Jordan here, sitting next to Rob Jenners. He's a producer and co-host of The Big Podcast with Shaq. That's right. And he's also a longtime friend and mentor. I know you've been in the industry a ton. You've, you know, you've seen radio. You've been in morning radio here in Atlanta. So how did you graduate into podcasting? Well, uh... You know, the, the cool thing about radio is radio and podcasting are kind of like married a little bit. Yeah, and I, mean, I don't I mean, think people can, really think about yeah. that. Um, but, you know, as a radio person, <clears throat> excuse me, you're kind of built for podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the podcast game, especially with the one with Shaquille, uh, he, he's here in Atlanta because he films his NBA show here in Atlanta. Inside the NBA on TNT mm-hmm. films at Techwood Drive here in Atlanta. And uh, he wanted to start a podcast. It was back in 2015 and uh, needed a co-host and he had to have a co-host in Atlanta because he was going to be here mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. So he had only known a couple guys, one of which was a guy named John Kincaid who I work with here at The Fan in Atlanta, 6A The Fan. And uh, he had heard John on the radio arguing with his partner and goes, yeah. that, that's a white guy I can argue <laughs> with. So reached out to John, uh, who John, you, you know this, but other people may not, the most straight-laced buttoned up kind of guy in the world. So Shaq reaches out to him, his agent reaches out to uh, John and says, hey, you want to get together with Shaquille, talk a little bit, see if this podcast thing is going to be for you. And uh, takes John to a hookah bar, which is... The exact opposite of what he... Yeah. Not John Cena. Not John Cena at all. Um, The only time he's ever been to a hookah bar will be this one and only time in his life. So um, ends up talking to Shaq for like four hours, um, comes back to the radio station, tells me about it and says, look, uh, we're going to need a producer for this show because, you know, Shaq's great and John's hosted a show for, God, 20 years here in Atlanta. Yeah. But it's going to need a producer. It's going to need somebody who can build out some production and give it some direction and prepare some content, that kind of stuff. And uh, offer it up to me. And of course, when you get offered a job to work with Shaquille O'Neal, you say yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, for me, being a production director here at The Fan mm. uh, for now, God, 11 years, and having not been on the air uh, and producing shows and hosting shows, that was kind of a nice little itch to scratch for me. It got me, mm-hmm. got my creative juices going, and, uh, God, it was uh, June 1st, 2015, we did our first show with Shaq, um, went real well, and we've been doing it now for three and a half years. We taped episode 176 this week so we're closing in on our 200th podcast which is nuts that's crazy and how fat did i'm assuming time just went by like where did it go it's just a blank man i mean you start and that's that's part of what i think makes a good show in general radio show but also a good podcast is chemistry with with the people that work on the show and that's not something that you can really work on or fabricate it's just something that either some shows can find a way to have or some don't um, and I listen to a lot of different podcasts, and you can immediately hear it in a lot of podcasts specifically. This group of people are successful, not just because their content is really good, but they have good chemistry amongst the room. And mm-hmm. as soon as we started doing that show with Shaq, I kind of felt it early on. I'm like, we got good chemistry in the room, and that's something that a lot of times when you work in a room that doesn't have it, you try to find a hundred different ways to compensate for it, usually through content. You're like, if I create a massive amount of content, it'll make up for the fact that I hate your guts and I don't want to see you when the microphones are off. Uh, Total opposite with with the podcast with Shaquille. It's just, we all really genuinely get along. We have a blast doing it. And like you said, the time flies because the next thing you know, you've done 176 episodes of a show with somebody and you're like, I feel like we just met. You know what I mean? Yet, I feel like we've known each other for like our whole lives. But yeah, the time just vanishes. Is that kind of like a blessing, though? Because I feel like trying to find, especially even two people to have good chemistry, but all three you have good chemistry. That's really hard to find. And I think that's what makes some shows have had the kind of longevity and success that they've had. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you, you have a lot of podcasts that have longevity because of good chemistry. Uh, you have a lot of podcasts and radio shows that, that have that longevity because the people in the room genuinely get along. They kind of think alike. Their yeah. brains work the same way. Um, you know, I've worked on a lot of different radio shows that have had it. I've worked on radio shows that have not had it. And the room feels very different in a room that has that chemistry versus a room that doesn't. And unfortunately, in, in all the years I've been doing this, I haven't found a way to adequately compensate for that lack of chemistry amongst the people in the room. So to find three people, and, and we have a fourth uh, guy that works on the show with us, a guy named Brandon Harper, who does our social media, and he also kind of chimes in on the show too. To find people that genuinely like working together yeah. and then have that creative chemistry is tough to find. So when you, when you find a room that has it, you tend to just be like, good, let's go, let's push the envelope, yeah. let's do more content, let's crank out more stuff because you just want to use that as much as you can and get as much out of it as you can. So That's awesome, man. And uh, as far as like, let's, uh, with your producing, like I feel like the term producer gets thrown around a lot. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, like the podcast that I've listened to, or, you know, like the Joe Rogan experience or sure. even, you know, a lot of these entrepreneurs, it's just either them talking by themselves or it's just an interview. Yeah. And with me, I just, just go, no script just like let's see what happens and you know we'll make something of it you, it's not on camera now but you have like four full pages of like content oh yeah like i think producing i think people would get, like i guess in tv it's a little bit different like you know you're i don't you're either writing questions or setting stuff up but you're like i mean what is what exactly do you do so i you know early on the production the producer's role and you're right it does get thrown around a lot yeah. um because anybody can be a producer. producer. But in, in my eyes, a producer has always been the guy in the room that facilitates the success of the hosts of the show. Um, sometimes you're included in that as, as a co-host, if you will, and sometimes you're not. Um, I've been on shows where I've been a more behind-the-scenes producer, um, but if my hosts are generating good content and talking about good things and having fun on the show, I don't care if I'm involved or not, as long as the show itself is succeeding because of the efforts that I'm making to create content or further the content, that's a successful producer. Um, so my role really on the podcast is I build the show every week as if John and Shaquille were gonna come into the studio having done no research at all for that week's show. We don't know what we're gonna talk about. We don't know any of the details of the stories we're gonna get into. We don't understand the segments we're about to execute. Yeah. That's how I prep the show. Now, that's never the case. They never come in unprepared. But if there's a week, especially with Shaquille's schedule, where he landed in Vegas three hours earlier, got off a plane, went to a studio, and now he has to record a podcast, I promise you he hasn't had a lot of time to, prep. to look through prep or stuff that I've sent him. So at least, he, if anything, he can look at this sheet that I've got in front of him, which usually starts with topical stories, things that are either going on in Shaquille's life or in the world of sports or in the world of entertainment or news, stuff that I just know he will want to talk about or will be interested yeah. in. And it takes a while to understand what your hosts yeah. key in on. So I kind of have an idea of what the stuff that he keys in on. Um, but uh, same thing with the segments. I build these segments and these little benchmark bits and stuff into the show that I know he's going to have fun doing. And I try to give them enough content that, like I said, if they don't know what to do that day, Here's a whole show. Our shows usually run about an hour. Yeah. That really wasn't by planning or purpose. That's just kind of about where they started to fall. And no matter what I prepare for a show, we almost always go about an hour. Yeah. If I don't have a lot of content in a week, we'll somehow end up at an hour. If I have a ton of content in a week, we somehow end up at about an hour. So um, for me, it's just really setting the table for them to be successful. Um, even if it's a week where maybe I'm not here or I'm out of pocket, great, here's a show. You know, here's all your commercial copy, here's all your content, here's a ton of stuff you can do. Basically now just have fun, yeah. you know, and don't, don't worry so much about what we're gonna do or how we're gonna do it. Yeah. Just look at the sheet and kind of go, man, just, just roll with this. And I tell them all the time, the sheet isn't a script. You don't ever have to stick to what's on it. Yeah. But uh, if you need to fall back on it, if you need a fallback question for a guest or you don't know the details of the Kawhi Leonard story, they're on the sheet. You always have a reference point, but um, a lot of times we end up 
going into these cr crazy nutball tangents that were never put on a show sheet yeah. that tend to be some of the best stuff we ever end up <laughs> getting because no one knew Shaq was going to talk about how he washes his ass in the shower that day, but it turns into a hilarious segment about how we wash our asses in the shower. Some nonsense like that going to pop up and you're going to go, man, I never would have put that on a sheet ever in my life. But as a producer, I know enough to just let them go with it because yeah. it's probably going to be really damn funny and it's going to turn into like a recurring bit on the yeah. show or something like or that. A soundbite or something. Uh, something. And, yeah. and that's, that's where some of our best stuff comes from is just the natural chemistry of the room and, and where things go sometimes. So if I could set the table as much as I can for them, then they don't have to ever worry about anything and their minds aren't racing about how they're going to attack a topic. Yeah. It leaves them wide open to do really dumb stuff and fun stuff and, and, and take the script sometimes and just throw it on the floor. And I encourage that thoroughly. I'm like, if you guys just go, man, this is the fallback if you need it, but go. That's what I was going to ask you. So it's like, how often than not does that happen? Where you like, you've prepped the show, you've done all this research, <laughs> you've stacked it, you've done everything you could, oh. and it just kind of... There's days where... I will prep like a bunch of stuff to talk about and we'll get to like three things of 10 because the three things we got to turned into these random side tangents and arguments and back and forths and joking with each other about some nonsense about Kevin Durant or something like, yeah. I mean, we would, I, I'm a huge fan of that. I would much rather them do the show they're comfortable doing than worrying about what I've put on a piece of paper, but the papers there as just, just like as a safety a, net. Yeah, as it, on, on the chance that we do those first three topics and they just don't go anywhere, great. There's seven more. Yeah. <laughs> just keep going until we key in on one that we like. And now the podcasting offers you the benefit of hindsight. You can edit. You know, mm -hmm. live radio, you can't edit. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you try a segment on live radio and it dies, everyone heard it. <laughs> yeah. If you try a segment on the podcast and it dies, I'm like, cool, snip, snip, gone. It never happened. Yeah. <laughs> so... I, I tend to let them obviously just go wherever they want to go, um, but I also, I, I think if I give them more than they need, I'll never get to all of it. Yeah. And it was, I had a host, I used to work on a show in Miami, um, Paul and Young Ron, which was a very popular mor uh, morning show in Miami. The host of the show, Paul Castronovo, used to tell me all the time, I'm going to have 20 things to talk about on today's show. If we have a good show, we'll get to maybe five. If we have a bad show, I'll burn through this whole pile because it means that none of the things that I pulled to do today hit. really hit and carried over and turned into something because ultimately the best content just goes and goes and goes because it's something that they're interested in and callers are interested in or emailers or people live tweeting the show are all about that stuff. And, and there were days where we got to three or four things. and. Then there were days we burned through the whole pile and we were like, damn, we got to do a better job yeah. finding stuff to talk about because we just ripped through this pile today. So I try to treat the podcast kind of that same philosophy. If I give them 20 things and they get to three, that's a great show. Is that 90% of the time how it works though? Most of the time. Most of the time. We try to get to, if there's something, I tend to put the stuff that I know we absolutely want to talk about up front. And then that way, if they don't get to everything, other stuff can fall off. And it's like, hey, we didn't get to talk about Kevin Durant's fake Twitter account this week or whatever. And that stuff falls off. And maybe we get back to it another week. Maybe we don't. But um, I, I let them, yeah, it's usually 90% of the time we don't get to everything on the front page of the show sheet because they go off. On they just go in their own directions. And again, totally cool with that. As long as we get to some of the more important things on that sheet. And if they're going and... 50 directions but we still haven't gotten to that third story and I really feel like that mm -hmm. third one we have to hit then I'll push them into the direction of that one and go hey talk briefly about this because yeah. I don't want to ignore it um, but there aren't a ton that I feel like we absolutely have to talk about and if I feel like we got to do them they're usually right up front because you never know where that stuff's going to go so how do you know how do you stack the show knowing what they're going to be good at talking about um, it's, it's a little bit of a combination of a few things. So <clears throat> obviously with Shaq, we talk a lot of NBA and a lot of mm -hmm. sports. Part of that is knowing the personality of that, the teams that Shaq either, um, supports or the teams that he's involved with. Do you guys ever do the show live versus recorded? Cause even like my goal when I get a podcast going is to just, just go. Just treat it like it's yeah. live. I know that's super stressful with sometimes, but I don't know if it's any different with just interviews and things like that, but just let it roll. We do. That's kind of how we treat every show. Mm. I treat every show like if it was going to air live. Um, 
uh, I just let them go. I, I will, with the, like I said, the good thing about podcasting is you have the benefit of hindsight. So if you know something didn't work or if, if you have a guest that, okay, we had Russell Simmons on. Okay. Love Russell Simmons. He's an icon. He was on promoting a book he wrote called The Happy Vegan, I think was the name of the book. Mm. And God bless Russell Simmons. All he wanted to talk about was being a vegan for like 10 minutes. And in my head as a producer, I can hear my audience finding ways to get out of this segment of my podcast or leaving my podcast completely. Because while the content was interesting, if you're into healthy food choices or eating vegan, bro, you're on a sports podcast, man. We are a, we are a sports slash comedy podcast. We laugh we joke we get you know we find ways to get each other's goat and and laugh at each other and he did a good 10 minutes on vegan chicken and i'm like (laughs) i can't in my good nature even though i recorded that show live let russell simmons do 10 minutes on vegan chicken so i cut it down to like two or three minutes just so it was in there i don't want to take it out completely because russell simmons is russell simmons Mm -hmm. but uh that's the only time i'll really edit heavily in a Mm. podcast is if i feel like there was a piece of content that could cost me listeners or cost me downloads i'm not going to put it in there just because we recorded it that way um that's the only time i will ever really go back and edit heavy more or less my editing is required to cut the top cut the bottom i'm okay with the sound and the mixing fly baby fly and go um but yeah, more or less, like we did a for our 100th episode, and we're at episode 176 this week. But for our 100th episode, um, Jamie Bendel, who owns the Punchline Comedy Club mm-hmm. in downtown Atlanta, um, let us have the club for the night. So we did a live podcast. We went two hours live on stage at the Punchline, and I let that thing just go. I mean, we just, just go, just do a yeah. live show. So you, know, you can find it on YouTube if you search for the big podcast with Shaq. The full two-hour live show is up on up on YouTube, and. Um, we had a blast. It was great. But I try to treat the recorded shows just like we were doing a live radio show, probably because that's where my background comes from. So part of me can't really compartmentalize to go, okay, well, we're going to do 10 minutes here and then Shaq's going to go take a dump and then come back in like another 20 minutes and we'll do this other 10 minute segment. And it's like, no, I treat it like a live show. When we start, we're not going to stop till we're done. We're just going to go. I mean, unless the studio's on fire. (laughs) <laughs> and then we got bigger problems. But uh, we're just going to go till, till it's over. And, and we're going to see where the show goes. And I n- often never have to go back and go, man, whew, we got to cut out, you know, when it was Russell Simmons, I was like, I got to cut out some of this vegan chicken conversation because, my goodness, it was just terminal. But how does that work, though? Because Russell Simmons is Russell Simmons. And, like, yeah, if he listens, he's... Show. I know. You don't want to offend <laughs> him. You know for a fact he's going to listen. And he knows what he said. And he's yeah. like, where to go? So dealing with that, how how do you find how do you not step on any toes? Well, that's another fine role of a producer. Um, sometimes you got to take the bullet. You know, even if it wasn't something that you did, sometimes your host is going to say something or do something, or you're going to cut seven minutes of vegan chicken conversation out of an interview, and you have to do it knowing that you're going to be the one that's going to stand in the line of fire and take the bullet because Russell Simmons, if he's really pissed, he's going to call Shaq. So before that happens, Shaquille needs to know that we cut a bunch of this stuff out of the podcast. And I usually get his thumbs up or thumbs down before any of that happens. Because ultimately, if Russell Simmons is really pissed, he will blame me, but he will call Shaq. So when that call comes in, he (laughs) needs to know, I cut seven minutes of the vegan chicken shit out. It doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. So... Just so you know, before the phone rings and you go like, oh, Russell Simmons is calling. I wonder what he wants. Oh, my goodness. We cut half his interview out on the podcast. At least you know up front. So, you know, part of it is, yes, if you want to, Shaq will go, I'll have a conversation with him, man. He ain't going to be legal. But like, and then he'll call me and go, yo, Russell Simmons called me. I knew he was going to call me. So it, it, part of it is getting ahead of it, getting in front of it and then being willing to take the bullet. If Russell Simmons is really pissed, blame me. You know, and if he wants to yell at me, give him my number. He can call me. He can yell at me all he wants. <clears throat> he can not recommend me for 15 more jobs. It, it, it comes with the turf of being the producer. There's been times where I've had hosts say or do things with guests on the air that they didn't like. And 
I know immediately when it happens, my phone's going to ring. I'm just going to be a PR person or it's going to be an agent or somebody's going to be, why didn't you have her on longer? Why'd you cut her off? Why didn't you let Russell Simmons talk about vegan chicken? And as a producer, you go, look, I work for my listeners. I don't work for the agents that book guests on our show. I don't work for the PR people that represent those guests. I work for my listeners. If I'm not giving my listeners content that they like, that they enjoy, that they're going to going to you know really take into their life then i'm working for you i'm doing your show you know i mean i'm doing the russell simmons vegan chicken podcast next week um and as a producer you just kind of have to go look pr lady i appreciate the fact that you're trying to stand up for russell simmons you have asking you to appreciate the fact that shaquille o'neal's listeners to his podcast will give russell simmons probably two or three minutes on vegan chicken they're not going to give him 10 and it's going to effectively hurt my product and not help you sell books because people are going to vanish off of that podcast. Um, mm. So it, it's an uncomfortable conversation to have because it's nobody likes confrontation. Nobody likes to be told, hey, you didn't do this right or you were bad at your job and here's why. And you just have to know, look, my listeners aren't going to get out of this what I want them to get out of this. So. I'll take the bullet. I'll be the one on behalf of everybody who 150,000 people a week to download our show. I'll lean in and take the bullet for cutting seven minutes of Russell Simmons out because I knew that those people were going to be like, dude, really? We're still talking about vegan chicken? So, you know, it's not the popular. You don't get to play the popular role sometimes as, mm -hmm. the, as the producer, but it's the responsible thing to do. And to know, you, to know that you have a responsibility <clears throat> to the people that listen to or watch or view your show wherever they consume your content those are the people you work for and if you really want to be a good producer you have to understand that they're the people that matter it has nothing to do with the people on the show it has nothing to do with you or your ego or your personality or any of that stuff if you're not going to deliver them the content they're looking for they're not going to stick with you um, people love Shaquille O'Neal they don't have to listen to his podcast. If I don't give them an entertaining podcast, they're not going to stick around just because they love Shaq. There's a lot of shows that I watch that I'm dedicated to that I love The Walking Dead, but there's times where I'm like, my God, Walking Dead, I got to turn you off this week because you're boring the sin out of me. It happens, um, but it is 100% your responsibility as the producer to know those are the people you work for. And if you're not going to get them the content that you know they're used to getting or they want from you, then you're saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm letting this guest or this piece of content or this salesperson run my show and I'm not thinking about you, I'm thinking about them. And that's, while most people don't consciously realize that, their brain makes that connection. <clears throat> and they'll, they'll find another outlet. They'll look for another podcast. They'll look for another show to watch. You know? and, and I'm so glad you said that because so the problem that I see a lot with like smaller, either smaller podcasts, smaller YouTubers, whatever, especially something that's heavily interview based mm -hmm. is what will end up happening is like if you do cut or something or it's not catered to the way their team sees fit they get pissed and then they're like gank it we didn't sign a release we didn't do this like we want it we don't want you to post it so like okay so what then what what if they okay. say that well i mean for me a part of it is too i don't i don't do a podcast that's relying on guests i have the best guest yeah i have shaquille o'neal he's better than any guest i book unless i book the president of the united states he's better than every guest i'm gonna book mm -hmm. so if you're pissed and you don't want me to run your interview, I'll take it off. Because the only one that doesn't benefit from that is you. It has nothing to do with me. My show is going to go on. I'm, I mean, now, if you do a show that's very heavily interview-based and you don't meet that interview, that guest standards, that poses a problem. Because basically, if you burn a bridge with one PR agent or one booking agent, yeah, yeah, that spreads like ones. fire to other people. Oh, he didn't do what he said he was going to do. He didn't do it. But that's the line you got to draw and you have to be upfront with people. And if they say, we don't want you to talk about X, Y, Z content, you have the ability as a producer to pass on that upfront, but, but you have to be upfront with people. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's well, that's what I try. I try to give like a basis of what I wanted to talk about. And if there's anything you don't want to talk about, please list because yeah. I don't want to get that email because I because you here you you have Shaquille O'Neal, you have all the leverage. Somebody smaller like myself right. has zero leverage, right. and it only takes one. I had somebody one time they didn't like the thumbnail I made on YouTube, and they were like, "Ain't no like scrap everything." Well, I mean, it's not hard to change a thumbnail though yeah i know, you, know you, can, you make she, a small change she was really pissed <clears throat> okay yeah then you go i apologize we'll pull it down yeah and unfortunately you lose a show out of it yeah but, definitely definitely lost the video out of that one but because it was to me it wasn't de worth dealing with that's the, the headache yeah it's it's my, my my stepdad used to tell me, pick the hills that you want to die on. <laughs> yeah. Is this the one you want to die on over a thumbnail? Because it's going to spread to, like you said, other people, and they're going to go, oh, I didn't take that. Sometimes if your content takes the hit because, you know, of something like that, mm -hmm. it's it sucks. And as a producer, you go, no, 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 no. The show still has to continue on. I'm still going to post it. If they don't want it up, sometimes you got to eat that bullet and go, fine. We'll lose it. We'll take it down. But I'd be cautious moving forward. I'm not going to I'm going to be more reluctant to put your people into my show. Mm -hmm. Now, remember, too, with with guests. And this is something I've always heard from program directors and show hosts for as long as I can remember. The guests need your outlet more than you need the guests. So even if you're a small show, mm -hmm. you're still giving a guest an Free avenue to promote whatever they're promoting, a book, a movie, a show, whatever the hell they're doing, your outlet is part of the avenue that they can use to promote. Not every guest is going to need every YouTube show. So sometimes they might say, hey, I was going to throw about your thumbnail. Scrap it. I don't want it on. Okay, fine. And, and it sucks because you worked hard on it and you spent time on it and all this stuff. You scrap it and you move on and you go, I'll just you know, do better next time. But I've been very upfront with people. Anytime they come on to any show I've ever produced, no matter mm. what the show is, if you have restrictions, tell me up front. That's the if I'm not if I'm not comfortable with those restrictions, I'm not going to book you as a guest, because it's not it's not worth it. It ain't it ain't worth it. And and if you have, for the sake of an example, Stormy Daniels, but she will not talk about the president, I can't put you on my show. There's no because everyone's going to come for something that they're not going to get, and there is no. It hurts me more to promote that I have Stormy Daniels on the show and not talk, and then about not it. deliver the content that everybody is going to come to the show expecting to get. That hurts my show more than okay. Maybe I got a whole buttload of, of downloads or views that week because it was Stormy Daniels, but the long game is it completely squashed the credibility of my show because we didn't talk about the president. So if there's something like that, I need to know up front, and if. You know, if I'm going to have a guest on and you say, you know, you're going to have on, uh, you know, Jamie Foxx, but he doesn't want to talk about dating Katie Holmes. Well, that's kind mm -hmm. of one of the stories that everybody's talking about. So what am I supposed to just dance around that? And P.S. I can't promise that my hosts are going to meet that requirement. They might ask about yeah. it anyway, because they know people are coming to the show to hear us ask him about that. So if you want to pass on that, I'd hate to lose Jamie Foxx, but if you want to pass on that because of that restriction, okay, we'll, we'll find another guest. We have other options and other avenues. We don't need to put you on our show. So what ends up, because you've been in this a long time, even, I mean, even if you spend a year in it, there's going to be lines crossed. Like, let's just say you book it. Jamie Foxx doesn't want to talk about Katie Holmes, but the hosts don't care, and they go in on it, and Jamie knows, and everyone, like everybody in the room is like, oh, then what? Well, then that's where you take the bullet as the producer. Mm. That's when you know you're going to get the call. And hopefully if I was good at my job, I told them up front, I can never. And I, I would tell people all the time, I cannot promise that I'm going to meet your restrictions. Mm -hmm. If you want to book Jamie on the show, I will tell my host that he doesn't want to talk about this. But I can't promise you that they're not going to bring it up because I don't control what they say. I can give them the restrictions. Now, a lot of times I've also told PR agents if you give me a restriction, it amplifies the the possibility that they're going to bring it up because they're going to bring it up just to spite you. Just because you told me I couldn't Don't ask him about this, I'm going to 100% touch the red button every freaking time because you told me not to. Otherwise, I might not have brought it up. Mm -hmm. um, but you know you're going to get the call when it comes up. And all you can do is say, I apologize. I told them not to bring it up. 
but I hopefully also told you that I can't promise you that they're not going to bring it up. You, it's more of a book on your own, you know, your own accord here. And mm. you really have to know what your hosts are going to do and not do. And if someone wants to put restrictions on an interview, I tend to dodge away from those, even mm. if it's a great guest. I can't. Because it's just not worth it. It ain't headache. worth it, man. It ain't, it ain't worth the phone call I'm going to get and the fight we're going to get into on the phone because they brought it up. it won't even air. Right. And then I can't put it on the podcast because you want me to pull it down. And then I've promoted Jamie Foxx and I don't get to air Jamie Foxx. And basically, it just hurts me. So tell me up front what your, where your line is and I'll tell you whether I think it's an acceptable line that we can hit or not hit. Mm -hmm. Please don't bring up Jamie's sunglass line. Oh, okay, that's fine. I'm sure they won't have any problem mentioning his sunglasses. Mm -hmm. But if you give me a key piece of content that I can't talk about, I'm not 100% okay with agreeing to that interview. And I'm gonna hopefully tell that PR agent or that booking agent up front, I'm not okay with just having a restriction on this interview. I feel like if it's something that's gonna come up, I'm gonna let it come up. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell my guys not to talk about it because if you tell them not to talk about it, they're going to talk about it. They're going to talk about it 10 times more than if you wouldn't have said anything. It may not have come up otherwise. Yeah. But, you know, if it happens, it happens. And if it's live radio, there's nothing you can do to rewind it. But if it's a podcast, they might tell you to take the interview down. And at which point you, you have to eat the content and take it down. And then, P.S., usually in the past, when anytime that's happened on a podcast... We've come back on and told people why we couldn't air Jamie Foxx, or and I'm using that as an example. Yeah. It's we've never had to do that, yeah. but if why I couldn't air X guest because we brought up this and they didn't want to talk about it. So guess what? Even though he's not on the show, we're still talking about it. Yeah. Because you made us take it down, so it's actually getting more attention on my show because you didn't want to air the interview. And it's only detrimental to you, really. It's only going to bite you in the ass by putting a restriction on an interview. And I promise you, Howard Stern has told everybody they've ever booked on his show, don't expect restrictions. You know what I mean? And we that's an extreme example because it's Howard Stern. Yeah. People want Howard Stern's attention. But you, you can still hold people to that standard no matter how big of a show you are or how small of a show you are. Um, you can tell people, look, I'm, I would love to have this person on but I really want to talk about X topic. And if you're not comfortable with that, then you have to be willing as a producer or a host or a content provider to say, okay, well then I'm not going to do this because I'm not going to deal with the headache. I'm not going to deal with the fallout when we have them on and don't bring up the one thing everyone wants to hear us talk about. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to deal with the phone call when it does come up because I can't promise you it ain't going to happen. Yeah. And when things happen, like I know tempers can flare, egos can flare, especially in this industry. What ends up happening if you, if they like the PR team or whatever says not to post it or whatever in the station or whatever podcast interview posts it anyway? I mean, they can send you a cease and desist and tell you legally you have to take it down because we didn't consent to it being out there. But we've also had people tell us on the radio where we've pre-taped an interview mm-hmm. not to air the interview and we've aired it anyway and we'll put it out there. And you again, once it's out there in the world, the worst that they can do is tell you to take the podcast down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I guess what? You send me a cease and desist letter from an attorney, I'll take the podcast down. But I'm not just going to take it down because you told me to. So You hold no authority over what I do with my content. You agreed to be on the show. There's a verbal contract there. You booked somebody to appear on my show. Yeah, they didn't just show up here. <clears> like, yeah, they oh, didn't hey, just I'm randomly call. Oh, hey, I happened to run into Stormy Daniels. You know, it doesn't happen. Mm. Um, your verbal agreement to be on my show allows me to put that out in the world. Now, again, there might be legal repercussions there. and They might tell you, cease and desist, take it down, at which point you take it down. But... It's still out there. Mm. You got it out in the world. And we've done that before on the radio where we've pre-taped an interview and they've said, we don't want you running that interview. Well, tough. We already taped it. We're going to run it. You don't want us to run it? See the season to sister. See and us really quickly because it's going on the air tomorrow morning. And it's never stopped us from running an interview. And yeah, sometimes you get the season to desist or you get some kind of a legal letter from somebody. But I've never gotten a lawsuit from someone that said, you put this on the air without permission. Bull crap. You booked the guest on my show. I had permission to air whatever we taped. Yeah. You can fight like hell as a PR agent or in a, you know, scream and yell from the rooftops that we can't post something until I get something from legal that says I'm not allowed to put that up, which a lot of celebrities specifically mm-hmm. will get you a and d pretty quick to take stuff down take content yeah. down but well they've got teams to right do that and that's them. what they do but that's fine I, if i still feel like i can put it out there even though they're telling me not to 
they have no power over you. I mean, they booked your guests. Now you're, again, the more defiant you are to a booking agent or a PR person, the less cooperation you're going to get from them and anybody else that they represent. And the more crap they're going to talk about you to their other booking agent friends and mm-hmm. PR contacts and stuff about, oh, no, don't put them on that show because, oh, my God, we taped this interview. They put it up anyway. It was a whole fiasco. We had to get legal involved. So it's a tightrope. It's mm-hmm. how much of that do you want to deal with and, and what are the long-term repercussions of you doing that? If you're going to defiantly just do what you want to do, then you have to know that maybe sometimes it's going to come back to bite you because they're going to they're going to they're put the word out. Hey, don't don't go on Thomas Jordan's show because NSOB <laughs> posts stuff that we tell them not to post. Um and if you're willing to, to, to walk that tightrope, go for it. Look, they don't know everybody. And there's a lot of times you can book guests that they're not going to go. It's not like all of a sudden your reputation is sullied for the rest of your life and you're never going to get another guest. It's just going to make working through their firm or through people they know more difficult. Um, you're you're going to have to maybe agree to stuff to get bigger. And it, uh, in, in we've had times in the past where we've done stuff like that and then it burns us in a year mm. because they have a big name guest and it just happens to be going through that same damn firm. And I'm like, oh, that lady hates us. We're never going to get this guest. <laughs> so you you have to realize that sometimes it, you, you burn a bridge here and there. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's until I get a and d from legal, I'm allowed to do what I want with what you agreed to originally, which was an interview. Mm. Um, unless you put me sign some kind of legal restriction that I wouldn't do something and then I did it anyway, I'm not in violation of any agreement or anything like that. You asked me not to bring something up. Hopefully I didn't agree to that and it came yeah. up anyway. So C and D me and I'll take it down. But, you know, again, it, it's that fine line of if, if, if all that headache is worth it, go for it. But a lot of times for me, I, I try to lay that stuff out up front because I don't want to go through all that other nonsense. Yeah. I don't want to deal with you. I mean, you were hard enough to get him on the show anyway, and then you're going to put restrictions on it. I don't want to deal with you anymore. Yeah. Go. Go away. I don't need you on my show. And and if your show is 100% reliant on other people, then you got to take a deep, hard look at what kind of content you're putting out. I mean, if you're an interview show, I get it. Maybe take your interviews in another direction. <clears throat> the bigger the name, the bigger celebrities you work with, the more of that crap you're going to have to deal with because they are very careful about how they manage their PR and how they manage their brand and their image and all that stuff. So maybe you need to start skewing in different directions. Look for experts. Look for other people. That's why a lot of entertainment shows don't always have the celebrity on, Mm -hmm. but they have someone that can talk about the celebrity Mm -hmm. because they can be more candid with that guy than they can with the actual celebrity. Um, You got to, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, build your show around the content you know will succeed that's reliant 100% on what you can create. If I'm reliant on interviews, then my show is really based on what I can get from other people. And you lose a lot of control of what you can put out. Um, Early on in the Shack podcast, we were very big on interview, 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 until we started having people cancel and move and shuffle and please don't air that and let's cut this part of the interview out. And then I started really taking that show in another direction. I focused 100% on the content I could control. If I can get a great guest, I'm going to drop them in and I'm going to include them in the show. And if they're great, awesome. But if they start coming at me with restrictions and stuff they want taken out, I'm not a fan of that. I'm either not going to use it or I'm just not going to put that person on the show ever again. Would it be worth getting, I've had people recommend trying to get, um, you got, you said cease and desist so many times, I'll see you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but, um, uh, what do they call set the release forms? Sure. Is it would you? Is that like? Do you guys you use them at this level, or what is it like for uh, somebody at like a smaller level? Um, we use them in interviews that we videotape. Mm. Um, anything that we will record. So Shaq's filming a, a reality show for Facebook Watch called Big Chicken Shack right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, if we had a guest on the phone. We had actually the week that they were recording, we interviewed, we, we got to record, uh, Shaq admitted on the show the week before he was a humongous fan of Maury Povich. Loved, he used to he watches Maury Povich and him and his buddies bet on whether guys are the father or not on his show. So he gets a, like a huge kick. So John and I reached out to Maury's show and we got Maury Povich to call in. Yeah. So in order, he was the happy, he was like a kid in a candy store. He was so happy. He got to talk to Maury Povich. So him and Maury cut it up for like 10 minutes. They had a great interview. It was very funny. Maury invited Shaq to come co-host the Maury show one day. Um, and 
we had to get a release from Maury mm. because we were using his voice, not just on the podcast, which he agreed to, but we were using it in cooperation with the Facebook mm. show. So we had to get a release from his people in order in, just to use his voice on the show, but to be able to use it in a capacity other than what we agreed to, which was the podcast. If it's just a guest on the podcast and there's no bigger distribution involved or videoing or anything like that, or if we're videoing it just for our YouTube channel, we tend to disclose that up front, but we don't ever get into release forms and stuff. How are you like booking guests? Because I know that's a huge thing that can um, be like, how do you, where do you get all the information where? So we, uh, we, we contract with Podcast One. Podcast One is the company that owns the podcast and distributes okay. the podcast. Um, they have an in-house guest booking person mm. uh, who will go out and search down those leads and has contacts and has Rolodex. For a while, we had an independent uh, guest booker working for the show that we were paying. Um, but the best guest booker is Shaquille. Yeah. He's got the Rolodex, man. He knows everybody. Like, if there's a week we don't have a guest and I feel like we could really use one, I'll ask him to scroll through his phone. Who can we call? Hmm. And and we actually made a, a, a dumb bit out of it. I think we called it the Shackadex. Scroll through the Shackadex and find somebody in there that we can call. And it's always somebody really rams like Rick Fox out of nowhere. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like old teammates of his he can call anytime. Charles Barkley. It, it just, I'm like, whoever, John Cena, you know? You got his number because he did the whole carpool karaoke thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you guys just call and he just picks up first ring? And I, well, he calls from his phone and says, yo, I'm going to call you back from a number or do an interview for my podcast. Okay. Because it's Shaq. Most people are like, yeah, sure. That's insane. So he's got the best Rolodex. Um, but for somebody, he's got everybody's number. Yeah, but for somebody small. Yeah, sure. What would you recommend? Um, look for, uh, they have guest booking companies and stuff that you can contract. Maybe they need to run spots in your show or something as barter, um, <clears throat> or you have to pay them independently. That stuff's not fun because you do have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. But um, I think anybody can book a guest on their own if you do enough research. Really, the trick is find out who represents them, for starters. Find out what they're promoting go to the PR and marketing departments of those companies. Celebrities are always promoting books or movies or appearances or, you know, that kind of stuff. Start there. You know, don't worry about going to their PR people. Go to, you know, Penguin House Publishing's PR people because they're promoting a book. Mm -hmm. We're doing a podcast in Atlanta. We'd love to get them on to promote the new book. That'll at least get it on the radar of people that are booking the book tour. You know what I mean? Whatever they're promoting, I've I've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of uh, sports celebrities on by going direct to the team and going to their PR people. Now it helps when you get to drop Shaq's name, but nonetheless, when you go to their PR people and you find their marketing person, that's the person that usually books the interviews on local radio or national radio. Work through them. I'd love really like to just get five minutes with Matt Ryan, you know, in in like a week or two. For me, it's easy because I can mention it's for Shaq and most people jump at that opportunity. But if you're not that, this is for a local podcast we're doing. We talk a ton of football. We'd love to have Matt on. We'll promote whatever you guys want to promote. If it's ticket sales or whatever, find the avenue that offers some kind of a reward to the guest. So it's we'll promote the ticket sales or the book sales or the movie sales or whatever the hell we got to promote that makes it worth their while to carve out five minutes with you or 10 minutes with you. Yeah. And look, the bigger name guests, <clears throat> they're hard. They're really, really hard to get. I mean, they're hard for us to get, and I get to drop Shaq's name. And they're really hard for us to get because a lot of times their their promotion schedule gets booked up fast. I mean, you know, big name guests are going on Jimmy Fallon and Kimmel and Ellen, and they're not, they're not carving out a lot of podcast time, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a tough putt. Um, even for us sometimes, to get the big-name guests. But you can get those middle-range people. Um, you know, I, I always marveled at uh, Mark Marin, who got President Obama, when he was still President Obama, uh, when he was still the president. And, and I was like, how did you pull that off, man? You do a podcast in your garage. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're Mark Marin, and you do a podcast in your garage, bro. I'm like, how did you, how in the world did you pull that off? Did you tell you? Uh, no, I, we, we didn't have any real direct contact with Mark Maron. I just yeah. wondered that to myself. How yeah. did you pull that off? Um, but some people just know how to 
work the contact. I mean, if it's just the one contact you have at one company, and that company happens to be pushing a book for somebody or pushing an album for somebody, work that content. What can I do <clears throat> to get five minutes with President Obama? How does that, how can I do that? How, what do I need to do to make that worth his time? Because ultimately, that's all they care about. Yeah. Is it worth my time to give you five minutes? Because five, I mean, if you're a small show and you're trying to get a big name guest, you have to justify your value to them. And that's hard to do when you're a small show or when you're a podcast that doesn't have, you know, <clears throat> hundreds of thousands of downloads every week. It's really tough to justify your value to really important big guests uh, or big name worthy guests that can yeah. help you. It's tough. Um, so you got to try and find that avenue. <clears throat> we'll promote the thing you need promoting most is usually the best avenue to go. If it's a book or if it's a ticket sales to an event or you're doing a youth camp, I don't know what the hell it is, but whatever the thing you need promoted is, I will whore myself out for it to get 10 minutes with the president. After like doing this for so long, do you have any like little like under the table secrets of like things you can say or do? Whether that, I mean, you know, we were talking about like adding value or whatever, but like I know some people have like little things like whatever they may be. Yeah. Start, a, start a podcast with Shaquille O'Neal. That helps. Yeah. Yeah, right. That helps tremendously. Um, uh, not really like secrets. It's just, I think the biggest secret is I think a lot of people don't realize that that the marketing departments for a lot of these businesses and companies, whether it's a publishing house or a music label or a sports team, the marketing department handles a lot of the PR and the press and the bookings and stuff that go out. So even though you're thinking, well, if I know this guy, he can go to the team and get that interview. A lot of times if you can work the marketing department a little bit, you can you can find out what you need to do or who you need to talk to to get that interview. Who do, Who's the final call on booking that guy on that show? And how do I get to that guy? And then how do I make that guy realize that I have, but getting to the right person is usually 90% of the battle. Mm -hmm. um, then that person is either going to shoot you down or give you a thumbs up, and that can be quick, or that can be a fight. You know, a lot of times they will shoot down small shows or podcasts or anything like that because they don't see the value in it. But if you continue to follow up and find angles and work it and work it and work it, eventually they just go, you know what? He's available next Tuesday for five minutes. Can you do it at one o'clock? And eventually, if you break down that wall, but you got to be persistent. And those marketing people control a lot more of that than I think a lot of people realize. I think a lot of people think, well, there's a booking agent or a PR company. No, a lot of times it's the marketing department because the marketing department is challenged with find outlets to promote whatever this celebrity is promoting that aren't your traditional Jimmy Fallon's and Jimmy Kimmel's and Ellen's and stuff because we're going to get all that. What are other avenues to connect with people that maybe people that don't stay up late enough to watch Fallon? Maybe more people listen to podcasts than, you know, than, than watch late night TV. So find those avenues. So those marketing people are charged with find different ways to promote their, their products, whatever the product is, whether ticket sales, album sales, book sales, whatever the hell it is. That marketing department controls a lot more than I think people realize. And you know, it's interesting, you know, we talked about our mutual friend Greer who works here with the Braves as well, as they mentioned something about the marketing department. And, and it's funny you're saying that now because when I was like in LA, I don't think about marketing. I either go, I, I'm in their DMs. I'm at like, I find out who their assistants are. Assistants I, is another I, I'm yeah. also trying, like in PR, I never even thought about trying to go the marketing route. Well, and the marketing route for me is easy because a lot of times those marketing people are just trying to find different ways to do the same job over and over and over again. Um, you know, they might be promoting, and I'm gonna, I, I always use books because it seems like every big celebrity or name-worthy guest will eventually have a book to promote. <clears throat> Never fails. Yeah. And I've gotten some pretty big-name people on our podcast because they were promoting things that weren't necessarily like mainstream. Like if you're promoting a TV show or a movie, you're going on late-night TV or a main daytime talk show or Kelly and Ryan or whatever the hell you're doing. But if you're promoting a kid's book that, you know, maybe is a different avenue for you than what you're normally used to promoting. The marketing department's job is you gotta find different ways to connect with parents or young adults that have kids. Find different avenues than just daytime talk shows and late night TV, find podcasts, find stuff that will connect with people that we're not getting in front of. 
Um, and marketing has to do that job, the same job for different people, like a hundred different ways. And they're always finding new ways to reconnect their products with different sets and listener bases and demographics. And if you can get in front of a marketing department or like a marketing person, you can, you can show them, hey, this is a great way to connect with this demographic through this avenue that maybe is something he's not doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, well then let's give it a shot. So, and you mentioned being persistent. What do you think uh, persistence outweighs talent in a sense? Uh, it can. Mm-hmm. I don't think it always does, but it can 100%. Yeah. Um, there's a, a very corny slogan that's up on the wall uh, at the studios here at the fan somewhere. Sales department had it hung on the wall somewhere that said, uh, uh, hard work trumps talent when talent fails to work hard. Mm-hmm. And that's true of I think a lot of the success we've had here in Atlanta specifically with this station is because we are an AM FM combo radio station we have a competitor that has a hundred thousand watt FM signal and we outbill them four to one we kill them in sales they should be literally like 50 miles ahead of us because their signal is 10 times the size of ours Um, they reach way further than we do but we out-hustle their ass. We are in front of way more clients. We connect with way more local businesses. We find way so many more ways to connect with the local uh, business community here in Atlanta that we just outwork them. So no matter how big their signal is, doesn't matter. We work harder than they do, so we win. Um, we're not winning in in the talent division in the sense that, and our our on-air hosts are very very talented. But I mean. They have a bigger signal. Shaquille O'Neal is a bigger player than most anybody that played against him. But he, the guys that had good success against him were not necessarily the biggest guys. They were just the guys that found ways to hustle more and work around him. We're kind of the same story here in Atlanta. We're not the biggest signal in the market, but we work harder than the bigger signal. So we're right up there in billing. We, we, keep, we hold our own with almost every station in this market only because we hustle more and we work harder. And I'm a humongous advocate of that yeah Yeah, i mean if you may not have the biggest show you might not have shaquille o'neal on your podcast uh then you have to work hard and if you just throw your hands up and go well i'll never do what they can do then yeah you're right you're never going to do what they can do you're absolutely right you said it yourself but the minute you let that creep in you're gonna you're just gonna set yourself up to fail um you gotta hustle and you know anybody who's ever listened to gary v who is like the Dude. the king preacher of the hustle. Um, he's got a lot of valid stuff to say because I mean, even stuff like, I mean, I've, I've watched Gary say stuff like, uh, you know, empty out your closets and sell what's in them. Man, there's people that go up on social media and go, Gary V was right. I made $300 cleaning out a closet downstairs and selling stuff at a garage sale. Mm-hmm. Um, while in the hindsight you go, okay, so 300 bucks, who cares? Well, yeah, that probably paid the phone bill this month and it paid the freaking grocery bill because you did, you hustled a little bit more. You did a little bit more than just sitting on your ass and not doing anything. And um, yeah, I'm I'm a big, it's a corny slogan, but I'm a big advocate of that hard work trumps talent when talent fails to work hard because it's true. I mean, and you can have the most talented people in the world that are lazy asses and people who aren't nearly as talented in them beating their ass because they just go better than they do. They, They hustle more and they work harder and they're more persistent and more determined and it's those God bless them. It's those annoying people that don't know how to say no and don't know how to give up and find, you know, work four jobs because, damn it, that's what we're going to do to get ahead. Yeah. And those people win in, in every way they can win. They find ways to win. Um, and, you know, I, I will go back to Shaq because he's my closest point of reference. But, you know, he would he says he used to come into the NBA every season out of shape. Not because he was a slack ass, but because he would get there and he wanted people to say, oh, Shaq's out of shape and fat. And that would light a fire under him to work hard because he didn't have a lot of motivation behind him to be in shape in the offseason. Because if he came into the league guns a-blazing, then he had to hold that bar for 81 games for seven months, wherever the NBA season is. And... He wanted to consistently be on the uptick. He wanted to start slow and build and build and build and build until he was at his absolute peak when it was time to hit the playoffs. And 
I don't know how much of that is him making an excuse for not working out in the offseason or how much of that is truth in the sense that he always, and, and I do know him well enough to say, he likes it when you tell him that he can't do something. Whenever you tell him he's too fat or too slow or he's too out of shape to be as dominant as he was the season before, um, he, he loves that stuff, loves it, eats it for breakfast. And for him, that's the motivation he needed to do that extra hustle. Um, we don't all get that. We have to find our own ways. And, and I think a lot of people who hustle because they know that the hustle pays off and they don't ever let that fire stop burning in them, those people, they, they win. They maybe don't win on the Shaquille O'Neal level, but they win, man. They find advertisers for their podcast. They get a guest they didn't think they could get. Um, you know, they, they book a gig that they thought not in a million years would they be able to get. And, you know, that crap pays off, man. It, the, the, more, the harder you work, you never know what door's going to open for you because you're the guy that was there early and stayed late and did the extra hours and put in the extra time. That's I'm, that stuff always pays off. Yeah. And dude, I could sit here and talk about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I even I, I could talk about this forever. But like, if somebody were to come up to you and they're wanting to get into hosting, podcasting, like it's all relative. Like, so any type of hosting, what would you? What would? What advice would you give them? I'll give them the advice I I, I followed myself, which was find the people that you connect with on any level of, of success. So like if you want to be a host or you want to be a producer, who are the people that you think do it well and what what makes them good? You know what I mean? Like, like don't copy anybody's style, but look at the people that you think are good and find out why. Like don't just be, oh man, I love, Ryan you know, Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest, man. That guy's great. Okay, why? What makes Ryan Seacrest great to you like what what about him stands out compared to any other guy who does his kind of job what about him is it his personality is it the way he works on his feet is it his balance like what about him makes him good and then find ways to emulate those skills and then do it your own way don't do it the way ryan does it because you're never going to be able to do it the way anybody else does it everybody's style and path and and if you are hardcore I don't want to say copying, but you know, mimicking somebody else's style, you're not doing it your way. Um, but find the things, the skills, and the talents that they have, and emulate that. If it's work ethic, if it's delivery, if it's the the way he thinks on his feet, you know what I mean. If it's the if the comical nature, the wit, find ways that you think that that person is good at what they do, and work on those skills in your own delivery. Um, I used to listen to, as a radio host, I would consistently listen to other people on the radio. And I'd be like, damn, that guy's good. And then I would think to myself, what's good about that guy compared to anything that I can do? And don't just say, well, I could do as good as he could do. What makes you, what makes you think that you can do that? It, it, as far as he's as good, like, okay, like I'd hear a radio host and be like, uh, there was a guy named uh, Ryan Castle that was on the air in Miami for a while, and he's he's runs a, a huge radio station in Seattle, and he's extremely talented DJ on the air. What makes Ryan great, though, isn't the way he introduces a song or the way he talks about artists. To me, it was always the way he found subtle ways to work humor into the little ways he would deliver something. So you get a caller on, and uh, and he'd be like, "Hey, how are you today?" And she, "Oh, I'm okay." And he's like, oh, "Okay, you got the trots." And she'd go, what? He'd go, nothing. Like, it was just little ways to work in stupid little quips with callers where I would laugh my ass off at that and go, that's what makes him good, though, because he would find a dumb, stupid joke and get, catch a caller off guard and then just, just then just brush it away really quick. Yeah. So I would always try to find, when I, was, when I was doing my early hosting stuff on radio, I would find little ways to work in a quick little dumb stupid joke and see if anybody caught it and if they didn't just wash it away yeah. because that's kind of how ryan would do it and it always made me laugh and then i found ways to kind of develop that into instead of working in the dumb joke having the dumb joke in my head and then waiting and holding it like a fist for the right moment and then when you had the opening bang just dropping it in and making the room laugh and going okay i'm out and then backing away from the mic. And that was, that was a skill that took me a really long time to kind of work on, but I emulated that from Ryan because Ryan, I realized early on what made him so good 
in my mind was the fact that he could find little ways to work humor into what he was doing not just talking about rock music because he was very knowledgeable about rock music but shit anybody can be knowledgeable about rock music ryan found ways to have fun with his callers or drop in a little dumb joke and it made the segment more like just a little bit more entertaining than oh we're gonna talk about lincoln park here um and i always looked at that and was like okay so it's not just knowing how to do the job it's how to do the job in a unique way and stand out and maybe make someone laugh at something kind of stupid here and there um so find the people that you like and that you connect with and you think are good at what they do and try to unpack it why are they good at what they do why do they connect with you why do you look at that person and go damn they're really good at what they do why what about them makes them good and then when you figure it out, it's not easy to figure out all the time, but when you do figure it out, try to find ways to emulate that skill. Not doing it the same way they do it, but oh, it's because he drops in those dumb little jokes. I'm gonna try and kind of use some of that skill in what I'm doing and seeing if it if it helps me or hurts me. Um, some of that stuff, you know, not everybody can do what Ryan Seacrest does. Um, but you can work hard enough and practice enough to be as good on your feet as he is. Or you can, you know, again, there's a guy who does radio and television and he hustles. Okay, I can hustle like that. You know, I can I can do that extra, I can pick up that extra job on the weekend. I can voice track on weekends and still be on TV during the day. Um, whatever it is that, that you emulate about those people, Emulate the skill, not the way they deliver the skill, but the skill specifically that that connected with you, because that helped me tremendously in radio. Awesome. Perfect way to end it, man. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it, and I would love your help. This podcast is brand new, so I need all the help I can get. If you would, just subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating. I really, really would appreciate it. And last but not least, I got a little something for you. For the last 10 years, I have been writing, shooting, producing, editing my own video to get my dream job as an entertainment reporter in Los Angeles interviewing the stars. Now, that might not be your dream, but if you are in this industry and you are in this field, you are going to need to learn how to write, shoot, and edit, produce your own content. And now I want to personally train you on these skills so you can create your own journey and make money while doing so. So what I want you to do now is log on to Facebook and request to be in my private Facebook group, On Camera Professionals. Once again, it is called On Camera Professionals. But wait, Thomas, I really like your stuff. I really want to learn from you, but I don't want to be on camera. Don't worry. I got you covered. In this group, I'm going to be doing a live training, so that means live tips and tricks. I'm going to do giveaways, freebies, and I'm also going to do personalized training. So once again, log on to Facebook and type in On Camera Professionals, and I'll see you there.